Today we're looking at two passages of Scripture, uh, one that we read earlier from the Ten Commandments, but also from Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, and I printed uh, there verses 1 to 3, but I meant to include also verse 4. Ephesians 6, 1 to 4 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So ends the reading of God's holy word. I have a, been reading a very fascinating book by Mary Eberstadt. It was published in 2013. It's entitled, How the West Really Lost God. How the West Really Lost God. The author is a cultural critic whose theory described in her book is about the decline of religion in the Western world, which she means Great Britain and France and Spain and the United States and Canada, South America. The conventional wisdom is that the West first experienced a religious decline and then that's been followed by the decline in the family. But her extensive research shows that it was the undermining of the family that came first before the undermining of Christianity because the West was undergirded with two institutions, family and faith. Since today's Father's Day and since uh, it's been a number of years since I've preached any from the Ten Commandments, though I've done a series on that at various times. It's been a long time. Much has changed in our culture, even from just a few years ago. I, I realize it's Father's Day. There's, a, there's kind of a uh, pastors here of a uh, uh, reputation of Mother's Day and Father's Day. They say on Mother's Day, when... Mothers go to church, they leave feeling, feeling like a million dollars. But fathers walk out of church on Father's Day feeling like dirt. Uh, seriously, I remember one time leaving a service and a man came up to me. It was on Father's Day and <clears throat> we were leaving and he said, man, I'm dreading getting home. She's going to just wear me out all day based on what was said. And I think uh, the reputation for that has come they say from angry pastors who are mad at themselves for how they've done as a father so they take it out on the men in the congregation. That is not my plan today. Somebody did ask me before the first service, are you going to preach about your sin today? I said, I don't have that much time. I, I would need a whole series. I can't do that in one sermon. So it's foundational to go back to the Ten Commandments when we talk anything about the family, even back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But the, the commandment about honor father and mother is the fifth commandment. Let me give you the little background of understanding of the Ten Commandments. Justin mentioned some of this before we read the Ten Commandments earlier in the service. The Ten Commandments are divided into two tables. The first table is commandments one through four. They deal primarily with our relationship with God. The second table are, ver are commandments five through 10. The last six commandments, they deal with our relationships with one another. That's why when Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment, a, a question to entrap him, 
Uh, he summarized them by love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That summarizes the first table of the law, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, summarizes the last six commandments. And so they follow, the two tables follow priorities. The first one is to love the Lord our God. If you don't have a love for God, there'll be no motivation or inclination to have a love for other people. If you've not paid attention to the first four commandments, it's highly unlikely you will pay any attention to the last six commandments. So everything begins with a relationship with God. I heard of a young man who grew up in a family, and because of his father's work, the family moved every year while he was growing up. So he was in a different school all through elementary and junior high and high school. And early on, he said, I determined not to try to make friends because I knew at the end of the year we would move and those relationships would be over. He went on to college, still living with his family. And then the day came, he had a job, he had enough income to where he could purchase a car and afford an apartment. And they were living in Chicago at that time. And now it was time for his parents to move. And he said, I'm going to stay here. So for the first time in his life, he was not going to be moving with the family. And he said, as the family drove away, as the parents drove away, he said, I was overcome with a feeling of having the deep desire to have a friendship with whom I would never have to say goodbye. I desired a relationship with another person with whom I would never have to say goodbye. But we can never have that in this life with another person. The only person who can do that is the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have a relationship with him, we never have to say goodbye. So let's look, let's look at these passages together. I want to give you some observations just generally about parents and children. The first is there are no perfect parents. If there were, we would not need this commandment. If there were perfect parents and if there were perfect children, we would not need the fifth commandment. All parents have weaknesses and faults. And so even the best parents are sinners, since the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There are parents who are not worthy of honor. Maybe they could not be counted on. Maybe they were manipulative. Maybe they were extremely irresponsible. So what am I supposed to do? Well, God is saying, I want you to honor that position. I want you to honor that position of father or mother. You say, what about step-parents? Well, young children, if, if you're in a family and step-parents come into the picture, you're in a very complicated situation. And no two situations are exactly the same, but uh, as a step-parent, if a step-parent enters the picture while you're still young, you honor that person. You honor that position. A word to parents. There's never been a perfect parent. And there's a general saying about having children and how they, the results of that, what they become. And the saying to parents is, you get what you are. You tend to get in your children what you are because they will mimic your behavior and your characteristics. So you cannot ultimately determine, though, how they will turn out. You cannot ultimately determine the outcome of his heart or her heart. You and I are to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but we cannot ultimately determine whether that child will love Christ or not as they develop. 
They have to make that choice. And your children are not wanting to see if you are perfect. They want to see if your faith is genuine. They want to see if your faith is real. That's what they're looking for. No child is looking for perfection. Now, as a young Christian in high school, I was given a couple of books by English Puritans. Don't let that scare you. The Puritans in our day have had a bad reputation, undeserved. They had, I think the strength of the Puritans was their grasp of the practical application of Scripture. So I was given a book on the Ten Commandments by Thomas Watson, and he wrote this during the 1600s. And typical of the Puritans, he went phrase by phrase through all Ten Commandments, and you say, it's only that long in Exodus, but the book is about that long. That's because he would say, I'm going to give five explanations of the Fifth Commandment about honoring your parents. And now I'm going to give 60 applications of what it means to honor your parents. So rather than give you all of them, I'm going to read you some of his applications, practical applications, of what does it mean to be a parent worthy of honor? What's involved in being that? And he wrote this from the 1600s again. Be careful to bring your children up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. Augustine said of his mother Monica that she travailed more for his spiritual birth than for his natural birth. Instruct them with the scriptures and teach them about God. Second, if you would have your children honor you, you must keep up parental authority. Be kind, be gentle, but you must exercise authority. Three, provide for them what they need and what is fitting, both when they are young and as they get older. Fourth, as they grow, help them to know their calling or their vocation in life so that they may serve their generation. I really like this. It is good to consult the natural genius and, and inclination of a child. And, and only a Puritan can put it this way. For forced callings do as much harm as forced matches, marriages. To let a child be out of a calling is to expose that child to temptation. So early on he was saying, notice, what, did, what are they inclined toward? What do they like to do? What, what is this child good at? And then help that child to develop that into what we would call today a marketable skill. But a vocation. Fifth, act lovingly to your children. In all your counsel, in all your commands, let them see love. Six, pray much for them. Seven, encourage that which you see is good and commendable in your children. Commending that which is good in your children is like the watering of plants, which makes them grow. Some parents discourage the good they see in their children, and so they nip virtue in the bud, and they help to damn their children's souls. Eighth, if you would have honor from your children, set before them a good example. It makes children despise parents when the parents live in contradiction to their own precepts, when they tell their children to be sober and yet they, yet they themselves get drunk, or they tell their children to fear God while they themselves lose, live loose lives. If you would have your children honor you, teach them by holy example. Isn't that true? 
We often think about how children are a reflection on parents. Hey, parents are a reflection on children too. They live with the consequences of our actions. And I would add, limit them. We all need limits. Some of the scariest words to me as a father occur in a very kind of corner of the Old Testament. When you had the prophet Samuel, and then you had the priest named Eli. And Eli had these sons that were, uh, I've got to think of a better term in church. They caused a lot of trouble. And he said, God said to Eli, for uh, God said to Samuel about Eli, I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. God is saying, I'm going to do this to Eli's house because he would not, he would not rebuke the behavior of his sons. So not to put limits expresses rejection. Second, lead them. This was the primary role of parents in the past. What do you want your kids to be? Now, the emphasis today is almost completely on performance. Appearance, grades, athletic ability, accomplishments, all which is fine and good. But the emphasis should be on character. How about these words? Contentment, courage, courtesy, determination, discernment, friendliness, fairness, helpfulness, honesty, humility, kindness, obedience, patience, perseverance, self-control, tactfulness, thankfulness, faithfulness, wisdom. Who is teaching them these things? We should complement these things than we see in our child. So when your child comes home with a D and the child wanted an A, rather than punishing them, say, I know it's tough on you, but I thank you for persevering. You know, and you compliment that. You gave it your best. Or their team loses. Uh, I want to compliment how the way you, you didn't speak back to that referee. I want to compliment you on how you showed encouragement to the other players. Find the character behind the action and compliment that. And third, laugh with them. May the Lord give us homes that are filled with joy. You know that humans are the only part of creation that can do three things, laugh, weep, and blush. And kids are inherently funny. They laugh. I mean, somebody comes in and drops something. All the kids in the room will laugh. They'll do what the adults want to do, but have learned not to do, out of courtesy. So they enjoy laughing. When our family and with our children grown and now with lots of grandkids, when we all get together, we do not bring up painful things from the past. Uh, I mean, it's not that we have a rule. We just don't. We talk about funny things. Last Monday at our staff meeting here at the church, we were talking about next Sunday night, a week from today, Todd Robinson, our youth pastor, is being ordained and installed as an assistant pastor. I hope you'll come at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary, but afterwards with a reception, which will be in the gathering place. And while we were talking about that, I got to thinking back to when Barbara and I moved here with three small children back years ago for me to be an assistant pastor, and we had a reception. There was a reception in the gathering place that was the fellowship hall at that time. And here's what I remember. I can't tell you who said anything that night, 
I don't know who preached at my installation. I, I can't remember. I can't remember who I met, but here's what I remember. Barbara and I are standing in a receiving line, and people were coming down the line and, and, and introducing themselves and being very courteous. Well, I looked over the shoulder of a person I was speaking with across the room where there was a long table where food and punch was being served. And the, the lemonade or punch was in little plastic cups and had already been poured. There were probably 50 cups of punch sitting on that table. Now I'm talking, I'm talking to these people. We're, we're uh, powerless to what our children are doing at that time. And I look over this person's shoulder and our three-year-old Sarah is working her way down the table going. <laughs> and I can't do anything about it, but it, it was funny. And so we laugh. We laugh about things like that and many, many other stories. So laugh with them. It starts with the parents, and a lot of homes just need to lighten up. And, and so have fun with your kids. You say, I don't have any kids. Well, then have fun with your wife. Well, I'm not married. Well, have fun with your dog or cat or somebody. Just laugh with somebody right there. Ephesians 6 adds the fourth verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So how may a parent provoke, especially fathers, provoke their children to anger. Back to Thomas Watson, the Puritan. He said, one, by cursing them rather than blessing them. When having to, to enforce discipline, making the correction exceed the fault. Is it a big deal or not? Are you making it a big deal when maybe it isn't? When parents deny their children what is needful, that can provoke them to wrath. When parents show partiality toward one child over another, boy, if that's not a golden rule of parenting, never, never, never show partiality. So many of the tragic stories in the Bible deal with that very issue, where a parent showed partiality with one child over another. Third, when a, when a parent does anything which is evil and brings disgrace upon himself and his family, it provokes the child to wrath. When parents lay commands upon their children which they cannot perform without violating their own consciences. Well, in the few moments we have left, let me mention the part about the command that says honor your parents. What is the role of children? The word honor literally means to attribute weight to to give weight, heaviness to another person. It's the idea that we look up to those whom God has placed in rightful positions of authority over us. And we're to treat them with honor and or obedience and gratefulness. It's to regard someone highly or with respect. That's literally what it means in the command. But what's unusual about the fifth commandment not only unusual, it's, it's exclusively unique. It comes with a promise. And the promise is that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. God is saying, I want you to give weight. I want you to give authority and influence to these parents. Maybe you live in a home with a single mom or a single dad now. And he's saying, I want, to, I want you to give that person honor. 
I, I want you to allow them to have influence over your life. And so honor them also with uh, obedience. But the command with the promise does not mean that, well, if I follow this, then I'm going to live until I'm a ripe old age. It, that doesn't mean that. What it means is, as a general principle of life, life will go better for you. Life will go better for you if you're in harmony with your, with your parents and with your family. Honor them with obedience. We know in the Bible that <clears throat> in the New Testament it speaks about obeying parents. It uses the word children. In the Jewish culture, that was easily determined when a boy became a man or a woman, a girl became a woman was around age 12 or 13. We don't have that today, but that's why you have the word honor in the Old Testament. That's something I'm to do through my life. You say, well, how can I obey that? My parents are deceased, as mine are for many years now. Well, I still try to honor them and how I speak about them. I'm careful. I try to be careful in sermons that I don't use one of them in a negative illustration when he or she is not here to defend themselves. And, and so I think it's a commandment we have through life, best, best we can follow. But there's a place where there's the chain of command, children obey your parents, that then moves as we grow to a chain of counsel. We continue to honor, though there's not that obligation to obey. We don't honor them with gratitude. Acceptance does not mean pretending they are perfect. There was a poll taken a number of years ago of parents in America asking what is the main thing they would like from, their ch from your children. <laughs> you know what they said? Number one, across the board, respect. Respect. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they used the law of God to avoid taking care of their elderly parents. Take care of your parents when they are elderly. elderly. You say, well, that would be a tremendous drain to take care of them. <laughs> hey, listen, society told them the same thing about you when, when they were going to have a baby. Oh, that'll be a tremendous drain. You say, Chip, you just got a vested interest. No, I don't. Uh, Every family has to make particular decisions. But as you care for parents in an old stage of life, do the best you can with them, love them till God takes them home. There's lots of issues and factors in that. Honor them by what you are. Kids want your mother or dad to, be, to have the best present they could ever have. Then don't worry so much about the fifth commandment. Obey the first commandment. <laughs> to have no other gods before you. Love God. And when you get older, love your spouse and your children, and you will honor your father and mother by doing that. That's the greatest gift a, a parent can give a child, is for the parent to say, I raised a child who is advancing the kingdom of God. Not necessarily talking about being a foreign missionary or preacher or something like that, or vocational Christian work, but they are living for God in the vocation where God has called them. A name from yesteryear is James Dobson. In one of his many books, he wrote this paragraph. My one purpose in life is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am to serve him to the best of my ability. And I am to take as many people to heaven as I possibly can. And my first responsibility is to do everything in my power to include my own kids in that number. No parent can give, but no parent can guarantee that. No parent can ensure that. 
So child, young person, you owe it to yourself to trust Christ and to follow him as your savior. I've met more than a few young people who have decided to reject Christ out of rebellion to their parents. That is a foolish decision because you will stand before God as we all will by yourself. So child, teenager, adult, are you honoring your father? Are you honoring your mother? You know what this commandment shows us? Do we all feel better about ourselves now? Do we all think back and say, boy, I really had that down when I was young. I always obeyed them. I always honored them, or I did that, or, or I've been the perfect father, the perfect mother. No. We look at this and we say, guilty. I am guilty. That's the intention of the law, as Justin mentioned in our introduction before we read it. One of the purposes of the commandments, as the Apostle Paul says, is to reveal to us what we really are and to be a teacher to point us to Christ. So we look at this and we say, I thought I felt pretty good about myself. Now I read this and I hear these things. Thomas Watson from 400 years ago writes about what does it mean to be parents and godly parents and godly children. I don't feel so good about myself now. What do I do? That's why we need a Savior. It points us to Christ. That's why Christ said, but as many as received him, or John said this about Christ, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. He is the perfect father. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, as we, even in the Lord's prayer, the model prayer Jesus gave us, we approach you as our father. And you speak of us coming to faith in Christ and being adopted into your family as your sons and daughters. So help us, Lord. The family structure is under assault and yet is not complicated. You give it to us right there in creation. And we see the consequences of that. We hear every week about the results of fatherlessness in the home. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to be people that walk in your grace as parents or as children or as grandparents or parents-to-be in the future and uh, enable us to uh, walk by your Holy Spirit in these roles. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.